Hi, this is Jimmy LaSalle, and welcome to another podcast for U.S. History Repeated. In this podcast, we return to our outline of the presidencies. This podcast outlines our second president and first VP, John Adams. As always, we have our country's favorite history teacher, as I'm coming to call her, Jean Ann Zanakis. Jean Ann, take it away. So, John Adams, what do people know about John Adams? The truth is probably not much. It's a classic tale of maybe don't come in second place, right? So John Adams, yes, he's the first vice president. He's president of the United States. He serves for one term. But he has an important legacy when it comes to United States history. John Adams was born in the Massachusetts Bay Colony in 1735. He attended Harvard University and became a lawyer. There were no law schools at that time. So what you did is you basically served as an apprentice and studied law under another lawyer. He married Abigail Smith Adams. They were married for 54 years and had six children. She was his closest advisor. They were often kept apart by foreign appointments and his various roles and jobs within the government, but they consistently wrote letters to each other. He was a successful lawyer. He had a law practice in Boston. Um, He actually defended the British soldiers accused of murder in the Boston Massacre. And again, this is, you know, yellow journalism at its finest. You know, you hear that term massacre, you imagine, you know, bodies piled up all over Boston, and it was five people. And he actually found them not guilty. These were soldiers that nobody wanted to defend, but he, he took that job on. He was well known for his great skills as an orator, and much to the dismay of his colleagues in the Continental Congress, often put them to good use when debating key issues in the call for independence and the creation of our nation's government. What people don't know about Adams is that he helped to write the Declaration of Independence along with Thomas Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin. The majority was written by Jefferson, but Adams and Franklin helped. He also helped to draw up the Treaty of Paris, which was the peace treaty that ended the Revolutionary War. He served as ambassador to England and eventually returned to the United States to serve as our nation's first vice president. He ran for president against George Washington and a number of other people um, and, of course, came in second place. The Constitution says little about the role of the vice president. It is a role that has changed over time and in recent years become a more prominent role. When Adams had this role, he was merely the president of the Senate and could only vote if there was a tie. He was kept out of cabinet meetings. And if he attempted to speak during a session of Congress, he was quickly reminded of his place. John Adams said that the role of the vice president, and this is a direct quote, is the most insignificant office that ever the invention of man contrived. So it goes to show you what he thought about being vice president. He served two terms as vice president and won the election of 1796 and became the second president of the United States. He was the first president to live in the White House. It was still being built when 
he and Abigail Adams moved in, and he only lived there at the very end of his term. When a person assumes the presidency, they have all sorts of goals and hopes and a direction that they want to take the country in. But sometimes foreign affairs will take you off that path. And that's really what happened to John Adams. His presidency was shaped by foreign affairs. And his unfortunate choice to maintain many of the same individuals on his cabinet that had served under George Washington. You know, again, these are the first people who are having these roles and there was no clear decision on, well, what do you do to people who have been appointed as Secretary of State, you know, Secretary of War, as the Department of Defense was called at the time? Do they remain in office? Does the next president keep them on? And so for Adams, he chose to keep the majority of them. But The problem was that they had a greater allegiance to George Washington and Alexander Hamilton than they did to Adams. And while we know that, you know, after his second term, Washington steps down and he retires to Mount Vernon, he was very much so being kept in the loop and making his opinion known. There were growing tensions and widening divisions at this time in history between both political parties, sectional differences between the North, the South, the emerging Western frontier are also beginning to really take shape during his presidency. There are a number of domestic issues that are important to discuss when talking about the presidency of John Adams. The first is, of course, those growing tensions between political parties, the very thing that George Washington warned the country about in his farewell address. The Federalists, you know, Adams and Hamilton, both Federalists, but they're consistently at odds with each other within the party. Hamilton and the other Federalists wanted the United States to be more aligned with Britain, whereas the Democratic Republicans led by Thomas Jefferson, who, by the way, was John Adams's vice president. He came in second place in the election of 1796. They sought to have a greater alliance with France. The Federalists are clamoring for war with France, but Adams hopes to avoid war at all costs. And his hope to avoid war leads him to supporting things that make him very unpopular. One of the things uh, passed during this time is something called the Alien and Sedition Acts of 1798. These four separate acts significantly limited civil liberties, such as freedom of speech and the press. The Alien Acts made it more difficult to become a citizen. It increased the amount of time from five years to 14 years, and they allowed the president the right to deport any alien seen as dangerous. The Sedition Act made it illegal to speak out and to criticize the government or the president. You could be fined and or jailed. So you could imagine that, you know, we're still in the post-Revolutionary War era. These topics are not going to go over too well. They had a direct tax of 1789. This was a direct tax levied on homes, Uh, Property, slaves valued at over $100 would be taxed. 
it was passed in response to growing tensions between the United States and France. If we're going to go to war, we need to have money to pay for that war. We need to pay for the expansion of the military and the Navy that was needed to fight off French aggression. This led to something called Fry's Rebellion. It led to um, tax collectors being tarred and feathered. Fry's Rebellion was a rebellion against the direct taxes being levied in Pennsylvania. Government officials attempting to assess the worth of homes and property were threatened and ran out of town. Uh, Leaders of the rebellion were tried for treason. They were found guilty and and actually sentenced to be hanged. Uh, They were eventually pardoned by President Adams. Adams was able to appoint three justices to the Supreme Court, Uh, one of which happened to be George Washington's nephew. It's a little interesting fact there. And uh, the other important uh, one was Chief Justice John Marshall. When it comes to the issue of slavery, John Adams is one of the few founding fathers that didn't own any slaves. He felt slavery was a moral and political wrong. But there are letters which would lead people to conclude that Adams hired enslaved people at times and paid their owners the wages. There is also evidence of hiring freed blacks and some historical documents that mention a worker who stayed with them for seven years and was released. This is most likely an indentured servant, which was also a common form of labor at the time. The Adams's stance on slavery is certainly complicated as a result of that. It is also important to note that Adam, the Adamses were the first to occupy the White House, and it was still being built. It's no mystery or hidden fact that slave labor was used to build the nation's capital. In regards to foreign issues, in response to France attacking American ships, Adams sent a delegation to France to seek reparations for the lost ships and the merchandise. Instead of meeting with the French minister, the delegation met with three agents who, in newspaper articles, were simply referred to as Mr. X, Mr. Y, and Mr. Z. They demanded bribes be paid to both the French minister and to France. This is referred to historically as tribute, and this was not an uncommon practice. Once the American public was made aware, it sparked outrage. There was a very famous uh, rallying call or slogan at the time, millions for defense, but not a cent um, for tribute. This furthered political tensions, and it sparked talks of war with France, On the home front, it led to distrust against French immigrants and led to the passage of the Alien and Sedition Acts, which I talked about a little earlier in the podcast. With France, there was also something called a quasi-war from 1798 to 1800. This was an undeclared war between the United States and Revolutionary War France. It was fought mostly at sea. The United States owned a large amount of debt from the Revolutionary War to France. Once the French king was overthrown, the United States stopped 
payments, arguing it was a new regime and they didn't owe money to them, but to the old government that no longer existed. However, the money that France gave to the United States was raised based on taxes of the third estate. So you have to understand the French people are, they've overthrown their king, they're using the guillotine, and now the United States is not paying their war debts. So this is not going to go over well. France was seizing American merchant ships and was angered over the increase in trade that the United States had with Great Britain. Great Britain and France are also at war with each other. And Adams is able to avoid outright war with France. John Adams, at the end of his first term, seeks re-election. The election of 1800 is incredibly dramatic. We're going to get more into that in our next podcast on Thomas Jefferson. But Thomas Jefferson is John Adams's vice president. They disagreed fundamentally on a number of issues. Adams is a Federalist. Thomas Jefferson is a Democratic Republican. And by the time the Alien and Sedition Acts are being passed, Thomas Jefferson has just, he's had enough. And he resigns himself to Monticello and runs against Adams in the election of 1800. Adams and Jefferson were friends. They had known each other for years. And for Adams, this was a huge betrayal. And it led to, you know, Of course, Jefferson winning the election of 1800 took a while, took a number of ballots, and we'll get into that election in the next podcast. But Adams was so infuriated, he actually storms out of Washington and refuses to stay for Jefferson's inauguration. Adams had become very unpopular towards the end of his presidency, and the two once close friends didn't talk for many years. They eventually rekindled their friendship and exchanged letters with each other up until the time of their death. John Adams lived long enough to see his own son, John Quincy Adams, become president of the United States. Like his father, he would only serve one term in office. John Adams died on July 4th, 1826, on the 50th anniversary of the signing of the Declaration of Independence. His last words are believed to be, Thomas Jefferson survives. Unbeknownst to Adams, Thomas Jefferson had died that very same day, but just a few hours earlier. All right. John Adams, second president, first vice president, um, spent most of his adult life in public service for the United States, writer of the Declar- one of the writers of the Declaration of Independence, and one of the greater legal minds of his day. And he was instrumental in this experiment that was the world's first democracy. So there's a lot more information on John Adams. There are biographies written on him. HBO did a miniseries, although I think Jean-Anne and I both agree that the more historically correct aspects can probably be found in the written biographies. Although um, Paul Giamatti as John Adams is fairly entertaining. For Gene Anzanakis, this is Jimmy LaSalle, and you've been listening to U.S. History Repeated. Join us soon for the next podcast, and follow us on social media. Feel free to send us some requests. We are happy to accommodate. We're going to continue with the presidency, as well as current events as they arrive. 
Talk to you soon.